This podcast is supported and sponsored by my good friends at Hunted. Now, did you know that research shows having a strong employer brand will reduce your time to hire by 50%, reduce your cost per hire by 50%, improve the retention of your staff by 28%, make candidates three times more likely to trust you, and double the number of qualified applicants. But developing a strong employer brand is not just about creating great content. What's even more important is getting that content seen as much and as often as possible. If you have a careers page, how do you actually drive traffic to it? If you have an Instagram account, how do you grow your following? If you're creating great content, like videos or podcasts or blogs, how do you actually get it seen by more of your target audience? Hunted is the place where recruitment brands can tell their story in a way no job post ever could. Learn what works, develop a sustainable employer brand strategy, and reach more recruiters than ever before with Hunted. And I've been working really hard on getting an exclusive deal for all of you guys, for recruitment rollercoaster listeners. Up until the end of June, the end of this month, you can get a huge 50% off their annual subscriptions. Use the code rollercoaster50 and claim your profile today. I've had a sneak peek at what the Hunter team are up to, what they're working on, and trust me, you do not want to miss out on getting on this platform. Save money and use the amazing offer that all of you guys have access to. Claim your profile today. So the big question is this, how do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm joined by Alex Cooper, who is uh, the Managing Director of Ernest Hunter Green, who are a sales, marketing and finance recruitment business that operate a complete remote model and did do this before uh, covid uh, they're five years old and currently have seven people in the business. Alex, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Obviously, we planned to do this face-to-face, didn't we? <laughs> really? Yes, indeed. Yeah. That, didn't, that didn't happen. No. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm back in London. I'm, I'm feeling excited. Back in the office, not working from a breakfast um, dining table anymore. Breakfast bar, which is great. And um, not doing podcasts in my bedroom anymore which is quite nice. <laughs> Can't quite say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, really excited to sort of uncover 
your journey so far. I know that you're someone that has been sort of talking and been really passionate about building a, a fully flexible recruitment business. Um, I think that's something that's obviously really become um, important to a lot of people with all of us having to do that. Uh, so I'm really keen to sort of talk about your journey today um, as MD of Ernest Hunter Green. So where I always like to start is how did Alex Cooper enter the, the world of recruitment? Let's start there. Yeah, sure. So, well, by design, um, I was coming out of university and had a couple of mates who were doing pretty well in in recruitment. I studied sports science and had dreams of kind of running a gym and and being a personal trainer and these kind of things. But being reasonably money motivated, there wasn't didn't appear to be a lot of money in those areas. So I looked at for evidence of people making decent money and had a couple of mates who were doing pretty well in recruitment and and started applying for roles in recruitment um, and went to a a meeting with a a rec to rec who placed graduates into into recruitment and they ended up hiring me to do that job oh really so, um yeah so i actually started out in rec as a rec to rec placing graduates into recruitment oh wow okay so j- just to set the scene then so what was the journey up until the point um you started your own business so you worked at that first company for how long was it like two years or uh, i did I did three years there. Um, so I I sort of transitioned there. So I did rec rec for a little while. And then, but that was quite alien to what the rest of that business was doing because they were, oh, okay. they actually focused predominantly on PR agency recruitment. Um, so rec rec was quite separate to that. So they just thought, get Alex and he's a grad, he'll be able to speak to grads to get him into recruitment? Well, they had, a, they did have a division doing that. When I joined, oh, okay. it was kind of 50-50, but as as over time, the rectorate business kind of just stayed yeah, yeah, people sure. and the rest of it grew. So I wanted to go and do that um, because they were making much bigger fees and, and it seemed a lot, there was a lot more potential there. Plus, I was pretty much on my own at that point. So... I then transitioned over to be uh, to actually be a sales and marketing recruiter, working on the client side of of, ah. of, of that, uh, basically the opposite side of those agencies. Um, but again, found myself being reasonably isolated. So I then moved to um, a company called PSD to be a sales and marketing recruiter, um, which is what I've done ever since. Okay, nice. Then, okay. Yeah, so it started in that must have been an interesting first year in recruitment then. How was that? Uh, well, actually, I mean the first year, I mean it's a long time ago now, but the first year was 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 really good, but really I had no idea. It was 2005. Yeah. It was I had no idea what I was doing um but because recruitment companies were hiring so quickly, I was a graduate. All my candidates were graduates. I, I could build yeah, up a yeah. rapport with the candidates really quickly. There was never any shortage of jobs or anything like that. So it was a really, I mean, in some ways, it was, it was a, a quite an easy introduction to the industry, really. Sure. A lot of my real learnings came far later in my career because it, it was it was really a case of just trying to get your hands on on anyone decent and you could charge almost what you wanted for them because everyone needed them yeah um so it was it was really good yeah and i but i probably did that for a couple of years actually and then mm. um and then transitioned later on probably when things got a bit harder and 
And um, yeah, and as I say, I've, I've been in sales and recruit, uh, sales and marketing recruitment ever since. Um, okay, so so interesting sort of first experience and working for for a business um, in recruitment. And then obviously, yeah, as you said, joined PSD. Looks like obviously you worked there for just under four years. Then joined another business for just over sort of three, nearly three and a half years. Yeah. Um, so really, yeah, I mean, nearly a decade of recruitment experience before you sort of took the leap to to start your own recruitment business. Um, I guess, I mean, it looks like you obviously joined PSD 2008. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kept kept so, your job then? Yeah, I think I joined in, <laughs> I think I joined in May. And and Lehman Brothers collapsed in September from memory. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I didn't really know what was what to make of this. This was t- you know, obviously a completely new experience. But yeah. um PST had a really I joined there to go to a, a, a much bigger business which had a you know, sort of more mature environment in many ways. Sure. And and that is exactly what it had. So it had some really experienced people who were really good mentors and, you know, and, and really good for my development throughout that time. Um, and, and I kind of, and they really did help me actually, because that's, they moved me into the technology division there, yeah. which was one that was doing a little bit better in those times. And that's and I've I have now been in the technology been center. In that, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's so, that's, so, yeah, that's, that's really that whole experience ended up having a real lasting impact on sort of what you ended up doing and the the network you started building, yeah. Well absolutely and and I, I worked there with um Elliot who um I left PSD to join at Barclay Mead. So um Elliot Sanderson, who is one of the co-founders of, of Ernest Hunter Green, okay. had left PSD to go to Barclay Mead and to um, set up a sales and marketing practice there. I left to join there. And then four, three and a half years later, we yeah. uh, decided... So, so, so obviously, yeah, so that that move to PSD ended up sort of you forging some really good relationships with people that you've ended up... That, that's interesting. One point that you just mentioned um, around sort of got access to some great people and the sort of mentorship piece, is, is, that, is that something that you sort of actively look for? When, when you join that business? Because I think, sort of, what was your mindset or why do you think you was able to sort of form good relationships or get access to, or, or get people willing to sort of help you? Because I think that's, that's something that um, a, lot, a lot of recruiters want access to better people or do want a mentor or whatever. But how did you go about that? Obviously, well, it's internally. But... Yeah, I didn't. So I joined there really because it was it had far it was a much 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 bigger company and it had a lot yeah. more it had a lot more structure to it both in terms of uh, you know progression opportunities but also yeah. training and development, um, so which was and that sort of side of things was all all fine but it's actually in hindsight that I realised the the, the the sort of value that I got from uh, on a mentoring level which was in many ways unofficial, yeah um, from from different people within that business. Um, so yeah, it just sort of happened. I wasn't necessarily aware of it at the time. If I'm totally okay, that's honest. interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, it, but it is definitely something that, in hindsight, I have benefited from. So I, it is something that I would certainly advise people to look yeah. for if they can. If, yeah. If if you but looking back though, why do you think they was willing to help you? Because I think a lot of recruiters will sit. A lot. Of, this has come up quite a few times where 
people want help, but like they're they're not they feel a bit nervous about going over to the top biller and saying, Hey Alex, like what do you think about this or whatever? Do you know what I mean? But looking back, why do you think that you were some that these people were willing to give time to or or help? I it's a good question. I I was certainly someone that worked hard and was very dedicated and committed. Yeah. Um I'm certainly not someone who is, you know, a sort of, I wouldn't say I'm like a natural salesperson or anything. I have to work quite hard at it and go through processes and, you know, sure. and do that sort of thing. So I think that probably the hard work was recognized. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and there was probably a little bit of luck again in that I, um, when I was moved into that technology division, that happened to be working directly alongside the biggest biller in. Um, really? It actually might have been the biggest perm biller in the whole company at the time, but certainly within the marketing and sales team. Um, so I, I sort of fell on my feet a couple of times, I would say. Yeah. So just on that, what? Just think again, thinking back, and we'll move on. But um, what what stood out that was this Elliot that you're talking about, or was this someone else? No, no. This um, yeah, no. This was someone else. Um, okay. I, I, what, yeah, it was separate to Elliot within the team. Obviously, obviously, being exposed to when you worked at Hanson Search and early on, and then obviously working at PSD. Looking back, why why do you think that person was the top biller in the top top one percent of that company? Um, they they had a lot of rigor in their in their processes. They worked they worked a lot longer hours than anyone else. Yeah, work um, ethic. So they had a yeah, they had a ridiculous work ethic. Um, they yeah, and and they and they just kept. They were disciplined, I suppose you would say. Really? So yeah, so you you know you wouldn't see them in the pub as much. You you know they were always pretty much the first. But you know when you got in the office, they were in the office. So I think they that's what worked for them. It was just real discipline, hunger, drive, hard work, and and. And they were very knowledgeable as well about the, mm. the markets that they worked in. They had real deep understanding. So, so it seems like they they knew what they had to do, exactly what they had to do each day to get the outcomes that they wanted and did that rinse and repeat. Exactly, yeah. There, I don't yeah. think there was any, there was no sort of genius in it. It was real um, real sort of hard graph and, yeah, exactly, repetition, repetition. Okay, interesting. So obviously then then obviously joined and then obviously left that company to obviously join Elliot, who soon obviously you've, you obviously then built a really good relationship with. Yeah. Um just a quick one on that, because obviously that 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 happens quite a lot in recruitment. What what made Elliot someone that you wanted to follow from a leader perspective? So we I'd never been managed by Elliot in any way. Um he and I had always got along and had a sort of reasonably, I suppose, similar attitude towards just things in general. Um, so we, we just got along. He was working for um, Barclay Mead, which at the time were um, looking to recruit people like us um, across all. So there was going to be a sales and marketing desk. There was a finance desk. There was a yeah. um, HR, etc. But they were owned and they were quite a small business. So there was a real startup feel, but they had loads of investment because they were owned by a PLC. Oh, okay. Um, so they were pumping money into marketing. And this is one of the things that PSD weren't necessarily 
very keen on. They were very sales oriented business. Sure. When you when you recruit marketers and talk to marketers all day, you do sort of you know identify <laughs> value in marketing. Yeah. Um, so that, you know that was a that was a big drive to say that we'd have more investment and more more um, yeah, that makes sense. sort of resources behind us. And and the PLC has an unbelievable structure, which um, I mean, you you really just got to go and do the recruitment side of things. There, you didn't really have to do anything else. There wasn't really yeah everything was there for you. Yeah. So some well, really good, like, yeah, some some really good growth opportunities then, and and learnings that could come from that. Um, okay, so obviously then worked there for sort of three and a bit years. Um, yeah. I guess ju- just just a, a quick one, just as we're talking about that. If you think about it, so I mean, from obviously you obviously now obviously actively hire for your own business, but I think it's it's really common to see, and you've probably seen it, where on someone's cv or or sort of um experience will be they let's say for you for example you work you got into recruitment you worked at hands and search for three years and then you're thinking right okay is is this all what recruitment has to offer maybe want to join a bigger business like psd or whatever and typically what i see a lot of the time is that 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 recruiter will leave but and then end up working at that new company for like three months six months or whatever they might end up moving again or whatever so i guess just looking back and then we'll sort of talk about the Ernest Hunter Green piece and sort of why he took the leap and all that, but sort of what what was going through your head to sort of help you make sure that you made a good decision in terms of moving your career forward and you didn't end up being someone that just ended up working at a recruitment agency for six months or a year because that that happens a lot. So I guess was there anything looking back that you sort of really made sure that you identified, or so you just said about Barclay Mead and the opportunity, but sort of you had solid stints at each place. Do you know what I mean? So I guess, was there anything looking back when you was looking or thinking, yeah, maybe I will look at other opportunities? What what was really important to you when in the interview process, maybe, or when you met people, what you when you was thinking about leaving, that you really made sure that you understood what you was getting into when, when leaving? Yeah, I, I think there, were, there was um, sort of per, what I needed personally from a, a, a company at those points in time. Um, so the move to PSD for me was about moving to a uh, a bigger company, which had yeah. you know, which was a more mature environment. So a lot of the, I would I would have been relatively young in that in that company. Yeah. Um, whereas the company I'd come from still hired quite a lot of graduates, um, and so I was one of the more senior senior. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I suppose. And and so I, d- I needed to sort of grow up a little bit in or move to a more yeah, grown up environment. Would, would be a much or probably both. Um, and then, and then uh, maybe the business has changed. But Barclay Mead, at that point in time, when I suppose I was what sort of twenty eight, something like that, um, seemed like a much better culture fit for me moving forwards because yeah. it was um, because it had that sort of startup feel to it, but it had the big company structure. It it, it, it sounded more fun. To be yeah, yeah, completely sure. truthful at the time, and I trusted Elliot on that because, like I say, we'd we'd always got along, um, and so I respected his judgment in in that sense. Um, so it just felt like it had the right the right kind of balance. And at that point, PSD was was becoming a bit stale for me. Um, yeah. So I think okay. it was yeah, there was a sort of personal. Yeah, personal timing, I suppose. Um, yeah. So just having clarity on what 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 was right for you and what was important to you at those periods in your career, basically. Yeah, I, I think, think that's so. where a lot of people. That's where a lot of people 
sometimes obviously you, look, you you would have met way more recruiters than me that are looking but I think that's where sometimes a lot of people can struggle isn't it having complete complete clarity on what they want out of their next recruitment role and and you haven't mentioned once better commission structure salary or whatever talking about that do you know what I mean it was I want to get access to more people where I'm not just the most experienced I want to be the less experienced I can um, learn from more people have more structure be in a bigger company and then the way that you're talking about obviously Barclay Mead as well so I think that I think that's the interesting part right that I think it's about just having complete clarity on or trying to have a complete clarity on what's important in your next stage of your recruitment career um, yeah um, okay so Ernest Hunter Green you started that, so obviously you. So you started that just just for context for everyone listening. You started that with three other people. I did, yeah. So Elliot, Laura, and Sue. Okay. Elliot, we've already mentioned. So um, Elliot was running the team that I worked in at Barclay Mead, and, and Laura was also in that team. Okay, nice. And um, and Sue was the director of the the office, basically the, the London business. Um, so yeah, the four of us obviously worked pretty closely together. Elliot, Laura and I were were basically the sort of highest performing team within that business. And there was a lot of changes. So uh, um, th- that business was owned by the Match Tech Group, which merged with oh, wow, networkers okay. to become Gattaca. If you yeah, yeah, know yeah. Those guys. So there was there was a lot of change going on at that point in time, consolidation. Sure. Um, offices were closing were moving there was there was just a, it was a good time for us to consider stuff so as all this change was going on we've been talking about you know we could do this we could do that kind of thing and just you know conversations in the pub sort of thing i was going to say in the pub most likely <laughs> yeah yeah of course yeah and um and then it then the changes kind of continued and and we were thinking well this actually we might you know there might be we don't know what's going to happen here. We might we might need to do something, um, but at the same time, the business had totally changed from the one that I joined. They sure, moved sure. from hot recruiting. That's also one of the downsides, right, of the company that you described. What it could be, right? That, that those things long term, it could these the the PSCs could change things straight away or pump more money into it and want to take it to the next level. And that means that yeah, consolidation change. That's one of the downsides, right, of of a big huge growing company yeah exactly you've you've not got that much influence in in what you know in sort of what what's going to happen basically and and they just totally went back to hiring graduates en masse um literally the office was being stripped out things like that uh, to to create more room for desks it just wasn't the same um the model that, that i originally joined sure sure um and so we were talking, increasingly the conversations were a little bit more like, I would remember what it was like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when we first joined and couldn't we create something that was a bit more like that um, and and those kind of conversations. And then as the, almost as, as it became more of a pressing issue, we started to formulate an actual plan and then, yeah, and then, then we went for it. Okay, nice. So I guess, so obviously that, so then took the leap in 2015, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, starting the business with three other people sounds like a good idea. And, and the, I mean, there's loads of people there that can add value in their own different way. I guess what what ended up being the sort of um, 
first year plan what 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 did you guys end up devising what did that did that look like yeah it was um so i would say that we had we we kind of did have a plan for the first year um and the plan really was to create a business that we wanted to work for so it was you know what what would that look like so we you know, we we had total flexibility you can work from wherever you want you can work from home you can work from a hotel you can work from you know flexible working space whatever it whatever it is why was that important to all of you why, why was that a shared importance well we we'd seen little bits in different businesses you know, really good things going on like it might be flexibility or it might be unlimited holiday or it might be yeah. really competitive commission structures and things like this but n- none of them had all been together together yeah um at the same time and i mean certainly the flex the, the flexibility was something that um we'd been given a sort of taste of at barclay Mead and then it had been whipped away oh, okay. um and so that was something that was kind of at the forefront of our mind, something that was very important to us. Um, and, and and we'd also worked quite well in that environment. So we knew that that had worked well for us when it, when yeah, it, sure. when it had happened. Um, so that, that kind of led the way. And then we, we just looked to create this environment, which we thought would act as a magnet to other recruiters like us. Sure. And then we would just create that. And then obviously everyone would want to come and join and that would it would be that simple and um <laughs> you know obviously <laughs> that's not how it that's not how it played out so we did have a we did have a plan to begin with um and and yeah, what and was then, it was the plan well obviously the, a huge percentage of the uk recruitment industry is made up of businesses of your size sort of sub nine staff what was the plan that was it did you obviously you've been in the likes of PSD Barclay me that clearly was aggressively growing was sort of did all you were all you guys on the same page on right we want to build a sort of lean sort of quite unquote lifestyle business or is this something that sort of we want to grow and scale like what what because I think that's obviously going to have an influence on on the plan so I guess was that something that you was all aligned with like what what did you think about that yeah it was it so it was never supposed to be a lifestyle business and and it it, it isn't and the plan has always been to grow it um but it has been to grow it with consistent profitability and it has been to grow it with um in the way we wanted to grow it which is to 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 maintain recruiting more people like us ideally that's that's what we're kind of looking for is experienced people who are autonomous who can get real value out of this kind of environment yeah um where that makes sort of scaling challenging is that firstly not everyone wants to work in a a business that doesn't have an office anyway so your your candidate pool is reduced but secondly we're acutely aware that this environment isn't that conducive to train. Well, it's not conducive in my view at the moment, at least to, to training new staff or even yeah, yeah, got that two makes or three years experience, yeah. you know, they need and deserve much more than we could offer with this setup. Um, so it was always good. It was always going to be a sort of slow and steady approach based, based yeah, yeah. on that. 
Um, but but you knew but you all knew and shared the vision that this wasn't we're not sort of creating flexibility so Alex can sort of I don't know take the dog for a walk at 12 p.m. and have the kids at 11 a.m. and then he can recruit sort of until 8 p.m. whilst watching Coronation Street or whatever do you know what I mean it was it was it was actually we wanted to build a business with people like us that other and the things that you just described rather than building a business around the lifestyle that you wanted yeah, I mean, for, for us as directors, yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, the benefits are, I mean, the flexibility works for us all in, in, in different ways, providing you can, you can deliver, you know, you can, you can use that as, as you need it really, but it, but it wasn't really there for us. It was for, for everyone that was going to join the business, you know, is, is what those benefits were primarily designed for. And the idea is that, or the theory is that, People who can work in whatever way works best for them results in them being you know, mentally and physically much happier. Yeah. Uh, and they do a much, much better job because of that. Uh, and they'll probably do that in the long term and they'll probably hang around a lot longer because they are, are able to do things in the right way. And, and we do have, I mean, we, people have targets and, and they've got to hit those targets, but providing they hit those targets, they, can do it however they want. I can crack on, yeah. I think let, let's just, as we're talking about it, let, let's definitely just just really dig into the flexible working piece just because I know, it, like, because I just think it's just really interesting right now. I think if you were to go on LinkedIn, every like every single, there's, like, at least a poll a day on would you rather work from home fully, would you rather be back in the office, or would you rather a couple of days a week, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think a lot of people listening could get a lot of value out of this because they're, they're probably going through this right now. So... As you said, you all wanted flexibility from sort of day one. You wanted to build a business that you wanted to work for. You sort of spoken about the types of people that you wanted to attract and build a business around. So just to help me out then and people listening. So from pretty much year one then, you you built that flexible business and it has been a flexible, fully remote business for the last five years. Yeah. So let, let, let's just let's just sort of uncover the the learnings. You've all you've just mentioned that definitely a challenge on the training and development side if we were to bring on people that weren't autonomous maybe aren't as experienced as sort of they need to be or you guys were um what so what did so what have you guys been doing over the last five years and has it been five days a week fully remote or has it been sort of a have you got a sort of office location or what firstly what what does a typical week look like for a full for remote business is it one day a week in the office i don't know what what did you what have you guys been doing yeah, so it's really varied. I mean, it, it's so we're in town a lot. We see each other quite a, quite a bit in reality. Um, I, I and you say quite a lot. What we're talking? Yeah, about. well, per- personally, I'm probably in two or three day in town two or three days a week, and therefore I'll see a colleague probably on one or two of those days at, at, at least. Um, we make sure we get together as a, as a group at, at least once a month but in reality there'll be little pockets of people who are getting yeah. together a lot more than sure. that. um we use so yeah i spend a lot of time working from home from a home office but we spend time together in sort of co-working places we use the institute of directors um where we can we can pitch up and work for the day as a team um, okay. so face-to-face contact is is really 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 regular really common we use scott uh, we use teams all the time um so it is not a case of being you know it's not seven people working like seven independent yeah. consultants at home in in any way and that has 
absolutely key for us to ensure that there is a a culture here within the business a, a sort of virtual one almost um which revolves around whatsapp groups teams meetings you know physical meetings um but ultimately they have the flexibility to 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 work from home or wherever that suits them at, at, at a given time so they're much more in control of their commute basically yeah sure so let, let's just talk because I think a lot of a lot of recruiters will start to experience this and their sort of working week might start look, looking like sort of how you just described it compared to being in the office five days a week, right? So I guess some of the sort of um, some of the real learnings that you've been through then over the last sort of good number of years of, of sort of doing this. So I think one of the challenges and concerns definitely is the culture piece, which you've just touched on. Can I can I build a culture in my team or my recruitment business? if they're out of the office most of the time. So it seems like how you've done that is made sure that it's a collaborative team. It's not everyone sort of lone wolf doing what they need to do. So I guess anything, sort of any key points or any key things that you've learned that you think that has had a, a real impact on the um, development of, of your business culture besides the WhatsApp groups, besides the face-to-face meetings sometimes, anything else that you sort of implemented or do consistently as a business that you think really helped impact that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the culture of the business has always been one, internally has always been one that puts people first. So okay. it's always been about, ensuring so i touched on it earlier sort of happiness and healthiness um on with the theory that, that those you know, people who are happy and healthy are going to do a great job yeah um really really simply um so we we try to ensure we've got a sort of well-being uh ethos running through as much of, of what we do as as is as is possible um so that 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 really does vary, to be honest. But that might be just sort of casually sharing plenty of you know, well-being and wellness tips um, to sort of officially trying to encourage something new on a monthly basis across the team um, to to make sure people are looking out for each other. But but beyond all that, it's trying to trying to foster a culture of of openness where people can be really really open mm. in the business and i think this is really key at the moment um but where people can be really really open about how they're feeling any challenges they're they're up against it, whatever that may be it might be personal it might be work-wise you know whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but where they can really be open about that so we can work on it and and overcome it you know together and that i think that the idea there is that you know that generally that has brought people together. People feel more comfortable being themselves. Um, they're less scared of <laughs> displaying a weakness, as it might be sure, might sure. be perceived. Um, you know, we really try to stamp out any any kind of thinking like that. That like that there is such a thing as you know a weakness on that level. Um, it. it, it that is what we try really hard to do. And we and we do that by trying to reciprocate, right? So by doing that ourselves, putting ourselves out there, if you're having a bad yeah. day, we try to be honest about it. Um, and and that has led to a, a, you know, an environment or a culture where people believe. So it's not, we're not just saying that we're doing that. Yeah, you actually, doing yeah, that. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, and so, so people what, are, why, are believing. Why, yeah, I get Why is um Why is openness so important when 
your team might be fully remote or is remote quite a lot of the time and you don't get that like why is why is openness important why is that something that you guys have doubled down on yeah a major part of that is just because you you can't see people right so you, you can't yeah. you can't see someone's body language you maybe you don't have maybe as much in reality you don't have as much interaction so you don't get to see the sort of casual yeah. partaking in a conversation you know those inverted commas the sort of water cooler conversations yeah. and that that kind of thing so you, you maybe don't get those those little snippets that gives you an indication as to whether someone's having a bad day. So in a way yeah, you have to either ask them um, yeah. and, and, and encourage them to feel comfortable in telling you, which is quite difficult. Um, but over time, when, when people see that other people are doing that, it, it, they begin to feel comfortable in doing that. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and that's the, that's the theory is that. You what know, about, um, yeah, no, that, that's great. And I guess, What's coming up for me is, and if I'm listening to this and I'm maybe a leader or even a recruitment business owner, and I know that's important, but Alex Cooper, my biller, I feel like something might be up, but he's just not, well, I can't get him to open up. I think that that's a quite common challenge, right? So you've, you've got the right intention. This is something you want to foster. You want to, you're over-communicating. You're being sort of open yourself. But what what have, I'm sure you've encountered that, right? Where like, obviously you clearly it's important to you guys, but you might have someone that's maybe taken a bit more time or maybe isn't used to being so open and sharing their vulnerabilities. How have you gone about sort of um, cultivating someone that maybe not be so willing to open up, to open up? Um, well, I'm certainly not a you know an expert in any way. Um, the examples, you know, such and and yeah, that that absolutely does happen. Um, especially, I would say, you know, when you're recruiting, you know, more experienced people who've, who've spent ten, fifteen years in recruitment working in businesses which aren't very open to this kind of, you know, to these kind of challenges. Yeah, exactly. So, so we are kind of exposed to to people who might be less comfortable in in a way. Um, I, I, I don't know. For, for for me or for us, it's just been working really hard to reassure people internally that you know if you're having a bad day, you're not going to lose your job. You know, you don't need to worry <laughs> about that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, we all have bad days, and it, it, that's all I can say. Really, is is it's been a case of just trying to constantly reassure, understand, um, listen as much as possible. Um, put yourselves out there and uh yeah i mean that's that's all we've done really i could say I know. from you know, I mean, on, on I mean, level what you're saying there is that it starts with you guys and that it might be even that might even be a challenge for people that well actually i know it's important but am i demonstrating that myself because if i if i join your business and then you and the three other business owners are sort of sharing and we what one in that whatsapp group or whatever it may be that you've had a really shit day this is why da, 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 da. But i don't know i'm going to be way more inclined to sort of share those things and open up if i see my leaders in, in the business opening up and lead them by example and it's uh, yeah it starts from the top right yeah uh, I, I, absolutely and i think that's I, I think that is in any in any business which is the, you know is, is trying to sort of deliver a well-being strategy or a mental health strategy or whatever you, know, whatever you want to call it it has got to run through every fiber of the business exactly yeah if there's no point in it being something to satisfy the shareholders um if it's not being executed at a managerial level talking on a really big scale of course um, yeah and it can't just be something that you talk about but don't do 
on a much smaller scale like ours it's, it's got to be it's got to be ingrained in the culture and I suppose that's what I would say that we try to do I mean we we, we educate ourselves on it and what have you but clearly we're not we're not experts course, course. ourselves of course okay so I think another another part on the flexibility piece that people that typically have always worked in the office would find difficult obviously specific to recruitment businesses sort of having the eyes on how your team are doing like when you're in the office you can have a way more sense of how people did in that bd power hour or whatever do you know what i mean so i guess i think a lot of people get a lot of value from you sort of sharing how you've gone about sort of what you've put in place in terms of processes or sort of what things you've put in place or what things you always keep an eye on as a business that are key end indicators that sort of you're, you're giving you your guys the best, everyone's doing what they need to to get the outcomes that you guys want as a business. So I guess, how have you gone about measuring and visib- having visibility on the fi- people being efficient, people doing what they need to do? I don't know, what's been your journey with that? Yeah, that's a really interesting that's a really interesting question because there's sort of different different answers to that um because because that is something that we haven't done very well historically if i'm completely completely honest with you why why not well so the guys that have been successful that we because we've got an amazing core team and they've all yeah they've all done better in this environment they've done previously um They've all had, you know, their their record billing years as individuals. Uh, in a in a completely fully remote environment, from what you've discussed, from what you've shared already. So yeah, that, so they, yeah, yeah, they okay, in working working at Ernest Hunter Green, they have bettered their their rather previous, previous career results. Five days a week. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it clearly it works for them. It, it works for us as as directors as well. Um, and and the the, the original sort of layout of the business was that you know you've got your only KPI is your target right your target is four okay. times your your target is four times your base salary um and you hit that target working one day a year or 365 days a year and 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 you know you can have as much flexibility around it as as you want was the kind of real real basic okay um you know view on that and if there were any issues um of you know we would work backwards and look through the KPIs. We've got a CRM system, you know, things are recorded, but we don't measure any of those things. Okay. Um, but we will investigate them if something's gone wrong. Um, so if, if there's an issue, we'll look at those and we'll try to, to identify where that problem is and then coach and uh, around those areas to, to, to try and rectify that. Um, which, which is all good and well. So that's the way we've been operating. So, so you've had um, one clear outcome based target which is look alex so to, together i think we agree that your that your target should be this four times your salary whatever um how you do that is completely up to you um we're not going to be looking every day how many calls you made blah 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 but sort of the outcome target that you have is that and that's sort of that's what you have to hit or that's that's the only thing you need to be concerned about yeah, exactly. And if you're running at 70, 80% of that, then let's let's have a look at where maybe things yeah. can be changed to, to improve. Um and, and okay. as I say, that's worked really well for the for, for the guys that are, that are here. Um but where we where where we could have done a lot better is by having better um better processes in 
in place. Sorry, someone was just bringing me on team. No worries. <laughs> we could have had um, we could have had a lot better processes in place to uh, onboard and and develop people that that weren't necess- necessarily going to um, take to this like a duck to water. And okay. the next question is, how do you know whether someone's going to take to it like a duck to water? And that comes in to their past experience and the interview process and, and how you assess them coming into the business as to sort of what's going to be required for them. And that's where we've we've missed out in, in the past is we haven't had enough um, structure in those processes to, to help people in in this current environment. Some people are just yeah. going to, they're going to they're yeah, yeah. fly in it. You yeah, know? So what Some people are going to gonna hate it. So what you've had to get better at is on that onboarding process or, or during the interview process, even identifying where they're going to need support potentially and going into this type of environment um, and where they need help. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not, it really isn't for everyone. And and the, the, the biggest, I think the biggest learning for us um, is that, Firstly, just because you it, it suits you doesn't mean it's going to suit everyone else. We'd be very naive yeah, in course. some ways around that, um, and it, and in some ways a little bit spoiled by one or two hires coming in and nailing it, and and you know it makes you think, oh yeah, this is this is great, um, and it's not, um, yeah. I mean, basically, basically not not having enough rigor in those yeah in those interview processes to to identify people that are um yeah are going to need more help um there are a lot of people that obviously are attracted to this kind of working model because you know in in many ways it's for certain people we do believe it is the ideal working environment. You know, if you need if you need flexibility, we've got one of the, the one of the most flexible models in in the industry that we know of at the moment. Um, but that is open to abuse, right? Um, because if you're not disciplined and it doesn't suit you, um, it's it's not going to be right for you. But you still, but it doesn't mean you're aware of that, right? Yeah. Um, and. Some people are, and they just know it's not for them, and 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 that's great. But there is, yeah, and some people know it's going to be right for them. But there is a large, you know, portion of people out there who think it's going to be right, but it's not. And we didn't do enough to. What well, what's the common areas that people that? What's the common areas that people typically need help then that you've learned from? Is it is it typically one or two core things that people realise? Oh, actually, this is some. Yeah, this isn't my strongest point, or. This is what I find most challenging about being in that type of environment. Is it discipline? Is it sort of actually I need a bit of process and I, I need someone sort of giving me a bit of man management? I don't know what's the what's the typical thing that people don't realise. I I am um, it is it's definitely a mixture, but um, discipline is definitely one of them. Um, I think I, I think it, there's also a sort of there's an awareness factor within people as to saying looking at themselves and, and, and identifying how much of their discipline is self-generated and how much of it is generated yeah. by the office environment that you're in. That's um, interesting. And, you need um, to know that. You need, yeah. to, you need to honestly know, look in the mirror and say, 
yeah like you need to know the answer to that question if you're going into a fully flexible environment don't you absolutely and and yeah well that cuts both ways I and mean, we need to we need to be able yeah, to yeah, of course, cover course. that as well of course but um it, yeah absolutely because you could yeah if it's if it's not right for you then it, and you're not you're not disciplined um or you can't you, you sort of generate that yourself you could really take a step back in this kind of environment mm, that's interesting so Let's sort of tie this together. I know we've really dug deep into the flexible working piece here because I know this is something that, I mean, it was a core part as to what you wanted to build your business around. And as I said, I think it's just so valuable right now, you talking about your learnings and experiences in this. What are, with most businesses now, most likely from what I'm seeing, the conversations I'm having to have way more flexibility in terms of sort of what a typical week might look like for their recruitment business what are the most common misconceptions people have um, on having more flexibility? Like what, what are the most common misconceptions recruiters have when it comes to more flexible working or remote working? From a consultant perspective? Yeah. Um, I, well, maybe that... That's a good question. I mean, maybe that it's easier. Um, yeah. Maybe that it's easier. But by that, I mean, I think that and this kind of relates to what we were just talking about, because I think maybe people think, well, you know, I haven't got to get up as early or I can yeah, yeah, do yeah. the school run or I can you know, walk the dog. Yeah, they're like know, the go-to kind of things. things that you hear, aren't they? Yeah, like, exactly. And, and, and there's, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, providing you are you, you, are, you have some structure. To, to your day and ensure that you do everything that needs to be done. And, yeah. and sometimes when these things are so literally physically close by, you know, whatever, the, whatever that may be, it can be really difficult to maintain that. structure. it's very easy to say, well, look, I'm going to write this stuff in my Outlook diary and stick to it, or I've got a daily planner. I'll just work through all of that before I go and do something else. But that's where quite often the office environment you know be it subconsciously or because the way that you know I don't know maybe this you know, you've got a manager basically making sure you're doing certain things at yeah, a certain yeah. time okay. um but it, it it can quite easily you can people can quite easily I think get dragged into doing things that you know they're kind of doing their laundry or whatever could be more distracted yeah 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 and I, think, I think I think it's you don't know until you've tried it and um you, you and that, that's kind of one of the great great things albeit under you know obviously awful circumstances but one of the great things from a remote working perspective uh, over the last 10 weeks or so is that people have been forced to work out whether they can do it or not exactly yeah and um, so we, we will see a lot more you know whether, whether people are suited to this or not so how how is this then tying this together how has this then had like a how has this really then impacted what your recruitment business has achieved and sort of what type of recruitment business you've been able to build over the last five years then because it's definitely not a typical as you said it's it's definitely it's it's definitely not a typical recruitment business where you've got a full remote team 
Um, but I think there's going to be more of sort of, um, um, I think there's definitely going to be a blend. Our, our most recruitment business is going to be fully remote, not sure. But I think there's definitely going to be a lot of recruitment businesses that are going to be a blend. So I guess from some of your experience, what have been, what have been sort of the, the, the great things about building a recruitment business like you have? Yeah, so all of the, everything we just talked about in regards to the learnings all came through our, uh, you know, basically the mistakes that we made when it came to hiring and the, and the lack of um, rigour and, you know, that we had within our, our hiring process to ensure that we were bringing in people, bringing in people that were, that were well suited, genuinely well suited to this environment, or if, if there was a sort of borderline element where you know, they were really keen, we, we didn't give them enough support to make sure that they were successful yeah, in this okay. environment. Yeah. So that that learning has come from, you know, look, basically a few failures in, in, in hiring people and, and, and keeping them on board, which has inevitably stunted some of the growth. Um, so we had a realisation a couple of years back. We, we sort of had a year of we, – we've grown every year um first three years was kind of steady growth um and then year four we grew by 10 grand on on year three so massive sort of point of stagnation and we realized that we needed to make some changes so we started so we created a new vision we've um yeah we've really sort of refocused on um where we really need to be prioritizing as individual recruiters we had to make a couple of changes you know ultimately in the team and we started investing more money in our processes in our recruitment process more testing we've got a much better we think we've got a far far better process in place now to enable us to grow more moving forwards both in terms of interviewing and onboarding Um, but it is the lack of that in the past which has stunted that growth. The growth, um, yeah, yeah. But has it? Has, do you think that if you were to if you were to grow, if you would have in the in those first three to four years, um, you would have grown sort of your recruitment business like a typical way. Everyone's in an office in London. Might have maybe got potentially more heads. But do you think you would have been more profitable doing that, or more profitable the way that you've done it? Um, I mean, certainly there's elements of our model, you know, reduced overheads, essentially, which which do help when it comes to the bottom line. Um, I, I don't I I don't know is the honest answer. We I, I don't think in hindsight that we ever we well, we never not at one point did we ever look at sort of doing that basically. So it was always yeah, okay. based around flexibility. We did look at a couple of really like sort of satellite office type things um, to just to give people a base. But then we went down the sort of membership routes, um, yeah, yeah. And, and and so we we changed it on that level. But um, I don't think we were ever going to do it. So it's almost one of those impossible questions to answer. <laughs> I, I, I definitely. I definitely think there would have been one or two people that we that, that joined our business and then left it, which who would have been more successful in that environment. Um, oh, that's interesting. But, but at the same time, yes, maybe some of the guys wouldn't have, you know, that have had their record years and what have you, just wouldn't mm. have. So I, I really, I really don't know. But I know, I know that we believe in in this, and that we wouldn't have, well, that we haven't considered that. Um, mm too much so i think 
as we sort of come to the end of this, I guess a lot of people will be thinking about, and clearly it's something that you've had to refine, invest money in, and and and, and sort of learn from your mistakes. But I think that, that onboarding part is going to be uh, a lot of people are going to sort of struggle and visualize on what that might look like, or they'll probably have to go through those mistakes that you went through if they're sort of onboarding new recruiters for their business. So I guess what, yeah, what what are the sort of non-negotiables for your onboarding process now that? have had a real impact on making sure that people really do get the platform and the, the support and go through that process to give them the best possible chance of sort of starting the right way in this environment. What, what are the non-negotiables there from that you've learned from your mistakes? Yeah, I think the, I think sort of there's, there's when you join a new company, you, that's obviously one big change for you. If you're moving from a business which in which you've been predominantly in an office to being predominantly working remotely or flexibly, that's another massive change. Um, I, I don't think we gave enough uh, acknowledgement to the fact that you were sort of having a, change. a double bubble really on the, on that yeah, on, yeah. on the level of change that people were experiencing. And so when recruit when we recruit experienced recruiters, there is there is an element of you know, you put, obviously that they are experienced. They know what they're doing, and and they don't need handholding necessarily. Um, that's that's probably the wrong wrong terminology. But no, I know what you mean. Certainly, we 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 probably didn't. Well, certainly, I don't think. And this is something we will change. Is we didn't have enough contacts basically in in the early mm. stages. So obviously, in an office environment, people are given a plan. They might be part of a team. And, and a lot of the, the structure and discipline and rigor around that comes from being in that environment. It works really well, clearly. Um, we we tried to probably go a little bit too far the other way uh, and, and kind yeah, of, I mean. you know, we'd be there, um, you know, absolutely. And don't get me wrong, people would still have plenty of contact, but I think more structure is required um, than, than, than normal. Uh, normally yeah. would be when someone is joining a business uh, and working remotely because of it being a, a totally well not totally but but quite often a very very alien working environment to people yeah. so so what, what do those first couple of weeks look like now then because i get what you, i totally get what you're saying so it's like i don't know so they all obviously have the touch points and whatever but and then is it i don't know week one they're getting sent alex's best Tip they've got they you send them a document where it's like this is what I've learned over the last five years on what structure works for me. These are some of the things that you should probably be thinking about. These are some of the things that you probably want to work out over the next couple of weeks that will really give you the best chance of yeah long term success. Like what what things have you included then that can? I'm just interested in that because I think a lot of people will get value out of that. Yeah, um, they would, and and so would I if I knew exactly what it said. <laughs> Because we've just um, basically we've just been working with um, an external consultant to fully develop that. So nice, we, were, we were at final interview stages with several people when COVID came in, and we haven't actually been able to onboard anyone or, or make any offer. We didn't make any offers. We pulled pulled the pro put the processes on hold um, while we worked out what the extent of the damage was going to be. So we Fair haven't enough. actually onboarded people. I could dig it out and tell you, but I, I don't know what that is. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's something I'm, we, we, we certainly are, you know, it, we certainly believe in it and it's been, it's been professionally developed within our, yeah, that's you know, with, with everything. But I think, no, I think the learning there, which I think a lot of people get a lot of value out of is the, 
sort of don't fall into the sort of camp of being naive that oh, Alex has got five years experience, he knows what he's doing. So sort of anything more than the, the typical touch points and making sure he gets introduced to the rest of the team and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I guess don't fall into the camp that that's just what's required. Um, and don't, yeah, don't be naive that, well, actually remember that this person is going from a working environment that they've sort of been comfortable with and used to for the last five years, um, that they're now completely changing and they're joining a new company. So, so I think that's the interesting thing, which is why, yeah, you need to invest in the things that you're investing and really get better at that onboarding piece. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's certainly, it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely key to get it right. We, we think we've now got a, a process that will be successful. Um, I'm excited to see whether that is successful. Um, but it is, it is absolutely key. And it, one thing we can say is that we, ha- we hadn't necessarily got that right previously. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, that's why it's, so what, it needs time. What, what, what's the vision then, before we finish? What, where, where do you see this sort of fully remote, fully flexible recruitment business going? What, what are the plans? Uh, well, I mean, the vision for the company is to take that sort of what, what the original plan for the company was to obviously create a business that people wanted to work for. The vision for the company now is to go and, and, and help our clients to achieve that. So it's oh, working wow. across all touch points of, of the employment lifecycle. Um, so that's re- recruiter branding, employer branding, attraction, recruitment, onboarding, development, mm-hmm. retention, and, and even exit. So it's, it's, it's taking that out to our clients and helping to consult and advise across all of those touch points, not just the recruitment piece. So the future for our business is to expand our service lines um, and and become more of a sort of holistic consultancy across all of those employment touch points rather than just purely on the recruitment front. Um, And and we don't really see, and it it will be very, very interesting to see what you know how the world changes when when lockdowns are released and 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 the way the world work looks beyond this um but so i might change what i'm about to say but coming into it we we didn't really see anything changing it's it's about getting those um getting those processes a lot a lot stronger and and more effective and more efficient to make sure people are going to be successful in the environment and continuing to invest a lot we were going to we, we well we are investing a lot more money in in, in development learning coaching yeah. sales training all of these things and, and and still looking to deliver a lot of that remotely um so it's really sort of enhancing the remote environment rather than just mm. creating um yeah creating a I suppose you could look at it as a work from home environment. It is not that. It is a flexible remote working environment, but we need to enhance it and and hold more bits onto it. And that's clearly the journey that you've been on, which I think is really interesting. Um, Okay, before I ask you the last question then, what what are you most excited to do after COVID? So it's getting, it's absolutely picking up those recruitment processes as as quickly as possible and, and, and growing this business. Um, as I said, we had a, we had a year of consolidation, but we had our record year as a result of it. So we were in a really good, really good position to invest that money um, in, in expanding the business, and and that's yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, couldn't come at worse time, but we're still really really <laughs> excited about 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 that in the future. Cool. So I know it's been a bit of a slightly um, 
different episode really gone into the the flexible working piece but i think and the remote working piece but i think so many people get so much value out of that but obviously before i ask the last question and it's more, more than happy for people to reach out and maybe pick your brain or ask for advice on yeah more maybe get a bit more detail on the learnings or things like that because a lot of people are going to be going through what you guys have been through in the last five years um and what you've had to get better at improve at etc um yeah, yeah absolutely yeah be it, if, if it's yeah people who want to talk about how to how to set that up and, and and manage people or if it's consultants that want to talk about how to manage your day or anything yeah yeah so last and final question, Alex, uh, you can answer it with a phrase, a sentence, a word, whatever comes up for you. But if you could communicate to every single recruiter out there, they'd listen to Alex, they'd take on your advice, they'd implement it tomorrow. What would you say to the people? Yeah, I, I think work hard, be honest and be be genuine and be yourself because if you're not, if you, if you can't be successful, you can't enjoy your job being yourself. You're on borrowed time anyway. Mm. Alex, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazoos and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.